Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast Season 14, Episode 19. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Wednesday, Steelers Nation. Dave, it's officially football season because we had our first Tomlin Tuesday yesterday. Mike Tomlin giving his first press conference to preview the 49ers game Sunday, 1 o'clock at Acrisure Stadium. Dave, how you doing? I am doing fantastic because it is, uh, I, I, I noticed a meme went out by, uh, Amazon on, uh, NFL prime uh, on their Instagram account, uh, that, uh, addressed who has the best flow. And it was, uh, uh, Kenny Pickett, uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence and, and Justin Herbert. So the fact that we've reached the uh, point in the off season where we're, uh, uh, wondering who has the best flow. I think it's time to get uh, get the actual uh, uh, football season un- un- underway here now at this point. that That's that's the level that we've reached now for engagement. Well, it begs the question, what is the correct answer? Who is it? I think I'm going to go Trevor Lawrence on this one over Pickett. You know, you know uh, I am kind of partial to Trevor for the sheer fact that, <laughs> uh, uh, the, look, it, it, my best friend, Chris, who passed away many, many years ago, uh, it's been almost tw- tw- over 20 years ago, I think now at this point from, uh, colon cancer. Uh, he, he had, he was, he's a spitting image of, of Trevor Lawrence, oh, yeah. I, especially in that face with the jawline and the eyes. And, and he had long blonde hair as well, too. So for, you know, I, I, I can't, every time I look at, uh, Trevor Lawrence, man, I'm getting choked up here. Uh, every time I look at Trevor Lawrence, I, yeah, I, I, I just see my best friend, Chris, mm-hmm. uh, in that. And, uh, my buddy, Chris, man, I was always envious of his hair too. I mean, it was, it was like blonde, blonde, and he was, he was able to grow his a lot longer than I was able to grow mine. So, uh, uh I would have to say that, uh, Trevor Lawrence has the best flow there. You know, my vote actually goes to Dave Bryan for growing out the mullets. Uh, I'm yeah. sure he's up there. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm growing it out again. It's looking, it's looking pretty sweet now. So, uh, uh, not, not near the lo- uh, length of uh, Trevor Lawrence yet, but it's getting there. And much to my wife's chagrin, <laughs> she, she hates it. A little bit of pandering for me to start this episode off, but Dave, let's dive right on in mentioning it was a Tomlin Tuesday yesterday. Nothing groundbreaking. He said week one, there isn't any, you know, crazy new development. Do you want to start off with a, just a general injury note in Pittsburgh looking pretty healthy on that front? The first injury report will come out a bit later Wednesday after this recording. But Tomlin says that they're basically in good shape, had a couple players limited on Monday. That was mostly due to the fact that it was kind of a bonus day and they could kind of get, you know ease those guys in. I don't know exactly who they were. Could be Larry Okunjobi, could be Nate Herbig, um, but we'll just have to see what today's report is. But overall, Pittsburgh's in good shape injury-wise. They certainly look to be a lot. And, and obviously, look, we can get surprises. These things happen. You you just don't know something could happen today in practice and, and, and you know, it, it show up on the injury report. But uh, I think as a whole, when you look at the health of this team compared to the team that they'll play on Sunday in the 49ers, they they at least appear to be the healthier team here. And as far as Larry Joby goes and – you know, you kind of at at uh, you don't know when certain pictures were snapped or whatnot. But Ogan Joby a few days ago, I think on Monday, uh, posted to his uh, uh, Instagram account a uh, picture that I assume came from practice earlier in that day of him doing some sort of work. You know, looked like a be look look to be running there. So uh, obviously not in a boot uh, there, and you know it's unfortunate he was unable to play. Uh, any during the preseason there, but uh, and once again we're we're at the mercy of not knowing when a picture was snapped. But I would think that you know, uh, j- just on his history alone, that you know that was probably from earlier in the day there. So maybe that's a good sign as we uh, push forward into uh, Wednesday afternoon in this first injury report. And who knows? Maybe it'll be a clean slate here and nobody on it. Yeah, and Tomlin was asked about reps for Joby, and he declined to really comment about what that would look like. But it's a fair question, a fair thought. Guy didn't 
you know, hasn't practiced or missed the time of practice and did not play in the preseason. Is he going to get a full complement of snaps for week one? That may be pushing it a little bit. So we'll see how the rotation and reps look for Oak and Joby and others. What else did Mike Tomlin have to say that caught your attention, Dave? Uh, let's see here. You know, I, I thought he did a good job, as he usually does, of, of, of painting the opposition here. And uh, this week, obviously, the 49ers and talking. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. Kind of, uh, uh, you know, asked a question about about Brock Purdy, and and in so many uh, words was asked about you know li- the limited starts that he's had in his NFL career, and and you know what could be taken away from that. And you know, he said, look, you know, it, it, it's more related to the scheme that 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 Kyle Shanahan runs. You know, it's a very quarterback uh, friendly scheme in Tomlin's opinion, and you know, he went on to say, it doesn't matter, you know, who you put really put in there. You mentioned Sam Darnold, who's obviously uh, the backup there. Uh, you know, he he just made sure to highlight that that you know how 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 scheme how quarterback friendly that scheme is, and then you know the, the other interesting thing that he pointed out, I thought was. You know, they're eligibles and most notably uh, Christian McCaffrey and how the point difference, you know, once they acquired him last year. I, look, I got to admit, I was I, I, I kind of questioned that move at the time, mm-hmm. uh, uh, them trading for him, especially the contract and all like that. But without a doubt, that thing played out very well for both sides, you know, for the 49ers and Christian McCaffrey uh, last year. And, you know, Tom, on, uh, you know, had the data to back that up and. You know, said, look, you know, this guy, especially out in space, I mean, because we know, you know, Christian McCaffrey, he probably went first, oh, first overall in a lot of fantasy drafts uh, this year. He didn't in days because Dave is, uh, uh, Dave is uh, 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 scared of running backs and injuries and the fungibility of the position there. But without a doubt, I mean, this is a guy that, you know, went healthy and, and is on the field, can you know, can provide explosive plays, not, a, you know, uh, not only as a runner, but a, as a pass catcher out of the backfield. And, you know, Tomlin went out of his way to praise him out in open space and then went on to say that, look, the, uh, you know, all their eligibles for, for the most part uh, are, are, are very good out space. And after the catch, you look at a guy like Debo Samuel and what he was able uh, to do after the catch, you know, kind of a, kind of a 49ers, version of, of, of Juju Smith Schuster, kind of that running back in a, in a wide receiver's body. And, you know, Brandon Ayuk obviously had a, you know, kind of a, a coming out season, if you will, last year, uh, you don't George Kittle enough said there. So I, I, I think Tomlin did a good job of, of painting that defense and the, and the, and the, and the chores, uh, that, that lie ahead when it comes to the Steelers defense, uh, this week. And, uh, you know, that, that at least initially, you know, stuck out to me as far as Tomlin painting the opposition. Sure. And he always puts them in that kind of light and understandably. So you never want to downplay those guys. And the 49ers are obviously an uber talented team that were one game away from the Super Bowl last year before their quarterbacks got hurt. I never understood why they call it the Brock Purdy rule. Shouldn't they call it the Josh Johnson rule? Cause he was the guy that got hurt that forced them to, you know, run out of quarterbacks, but, but all that aside, yeah, the 49ers are a tough team. We'll talk about them more. On Friday, I think we'll have hopefully a 49ers beat guy to discuss with. And you and I can obviously go over. We'll have our scouting report up on the website on Friday as well. The thing that stuck out the most to me was in the conversation Tomlin had about, you know, Dan Moore, obviously the left tackle in the depth chart. That's it barely needed to even be verbally said, but Tomlin was asked about that, but really had a good defense of Broderick Jones and said, nothing is wrong with Broderick Jones and compared it to Kim Hayward early in his career playing behind, you know, Aaron Smith and Brett Kiesel. He sat his first two years. And so I thought Tomlin really made sure to try to come to the defense of Broderick Jones for being in the, I would probably call it relatively unusual position to be a first round offensive tackle. Who's not starting out of the gate. Yeah. But you go back and Broderick did have limited starts, right. Uh, sure. uh, uh, coming out of college there. So, I mean, if he had, if, if he had, uh, entered the NFL. I mean, that uh, quite, quite, I mean, he could end up being the best tackle in this, in this class. Uh, and, 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 you know, we'll find out over time here. Uh, but he wasn't obviously the most accomplished and that, that probably hurt him from being, 
you know, the, the top tackle drafted in this class. I mean, the, you know, from what we've seen on tape so far, I mean, the skill set, physicality, everything seems to be there. It's just the, 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 you know, overall uh, limited amount of tape that he has as a whole, you know, going back to obviously to, to, to Georgia there. So, uh, and, you know, on the flip side, it sounded like uh, Dan Moore did every, Dan Moore Jr. did everything that was uh, you know uh, asked of him, and there's been a lot of praise about Dan Moore uh, dating back uh, all 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 off season here, and you know it, Dan Moore didn't do anything to lose the job, and you know obviously Broderick Jones didn't do enough to win the job, and you know a lot of people will try to read into that first depth chart, and make more out of it. Uh, than what it is and say, well, Broderick's not starting week one. So obviously the Steelers missed there. But uh, once again, you are dealing with a younger player with uh, with limited starts coming out of college. And, you know, even though it is many moons ago when it comes to to Cam Hayward, it's not totally out of the question to have a, a, a young player sit and watch a little bit and in other words, you know, I think Mike Tomlin saw an opportunity to shoot down kind of mm-hmm. any any kind of narratives there, and he took 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 the opportunity to do so. Yeah, I, again, I think it was the right decision to start more over Jones. The thought just being that there's obviously pressure on your first round pick, a guy you trade up for, and he's not starting when when on back in April when you draft him, you probably sit there most Steeler fans and think, okay, he's going to be your day one guy. So just Tomlin, like you said, taking the chance to frame that in the way they would probably deserved and should be framed to maybe you know again half the time Tomlin talks not for our sake not for the media's sake but for the player's sake maybe that message gets relayed to Broderick Jones and he can maybe feel a little bit better because I'm sure he's you know humble and he understands you know again he said he went to Georgia he had a citus early in his career same situation here but still kind of feel some of that internal pressure too I need to start I need to contribute I don't want people to feel like I'm not worth the investment this team has put in me so I just thought it was good framing from Mike Tomlin uh, what do you, what did you make about, if anything, uh, about his comments about Desmond King and the vision he now has for him? Tomlin said, no, not as I stand, uh, here right now, man. He says, uh, we just acquired him, you know, yesterday or the other day we've had, uh, one kind of bonus practice. We had the infancy of plan planning development this week. And so it's just a lot of layers to that discussion, our ability to get to know him, how quickly he learns. Uh, what it is that we do here and, and, and in the need component. And so we're excited about, obviously, about his acquisition, but I don't necessarily have an answer to that as I stand here today. I mean, they've got to have some kind of idea how he fits into all this. I guess the, my, my biggest takeaway at this point, and obviously you don't want to read way too much into uh, a depth chart, even though it's officially unofficial official. Is that the best way to, <laughs> uh, uh, to, 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 to maybe frame that. But, uh, I, I guess I'm, I'm wondering right now, is there a chance that Desmond King is inactive? Is that inactive cornerback uh, in, in, in week one? I don't want to say there's no chance of that occurring. It depends how quickly he gets up to speed. Obviously, he's joining this team late. He's catching the moving train, as Mike Tomlin would say. But I think similar to you know, whenever Quan Alexander got signed, or that was earlier in camp, but you know the initial reports, oh, he's here for depth. He's not here to challenge the starting job. I think a guy like King, a veteran, a, a good resume type dude is going to contribute sooner than later. So how exactly will he be used? I don't know for sure. I think more inside and slot than outside, but there's a lot of versatility there. So, you know, I don't know exactly what week one's going to look like, but I think this guy's going to be on the field sooner than later. Do you think he'll be inactive? Short answer, no. My expectation is that he's going to dress and play. You know, what exactly that role is, I I, I couldn't tell you right now, but I, I do think he'll dress week one. So let, let's quickly go over our, our, our inactives once again, assuming that they only have to choose five. And once again, the quarterback rule, did they make it more confusing? by? <laughs> <laughs> did they confuse everybody by the NFL releasing that big breakdown of uh, 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 of the, of the uh, you know, emergency quarterback rule? And all? Uh, to, to, to the best of my knowledge, the way I've always interpreted this is is really it goes back to the way it was you know, many, many years ago there, uh, except for the fact that, look, your third quarterback cannot be a guy that's out. You got to already have had a third quarterback on the roster. 
uh, on the active roster. This it, this can't be an elevation type situation. So in the Steelers uh, situation here, obviously they have three quarterbacks uh, on the roster and your game day active list is either going to be 47 or 48 players depending on if you dress eight offensive linemen or not. And generally, the Steelers, if they have a he- eight, eight healthy ones, they're going to dress those eight. So that would leave 48 players as being dressed, able to play, and then five inactives from there. And then obviously one of those five, uh, assuming they are inactive, would be a, a, a quarterback. And then that quarterback would have the emergency third designation. That's your understanding, right? And then four mm-hmm. other additional inactive players on top of that. Correct. That is my belief. All right. Now, obviously, if you if you elevate two other players, then you would need a total of seven inactives at, at that point. So just, just thinking out loud here, what, Mason Rudolph uh, would be one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, one offensive lineman, so either either, either uh, Dylan Cook or Spencer Anderson. Uh, one defensive lineman, more than likely, could you know, possibly be be louder milk. Uh, uh, that leaves two other spots, right? Gunner, yeah, Gunner probably is inactive, and then one of the corners, and then one of the corners, and that could be a Chandon Sullivan. It could be King. I mean, because it is Week One. I'm not going to completely rule that out, but that's probably the layout of how this thing goes, assuming good health, of course. All right. All right. Uh, Let's see what else from Mike Tomlin talked about. They are preparing for Nick Bosa and his holdout remains as of 10 a.m. on Wednesday. We'll see what things look like later Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, who the heck knows. But they're coming out of the wire. And as of right now, there's not been any reports about really any movement on a deal. Of course, something could change just like that. That's the way these things get reported out. But Tomlin, Dan Moore, the whole Steelers team preparing for Nick Bosa, but the odds of seeing him seemingly are dwindling. Yeah, or at least seeing 100% of them, right? True, true. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, I, what time did the 49? I mean, they're obviously on West Coast time, so it's still morning there. I mean, they, you know, halfway through this podcast, they could strike a deal, deal with him and then he'd be on the practice field. But what if by the end of this day, Bosa's still not signed? And 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 misses the Wednesday practice. I mean, that only leaves really one and a half practices left, right? Because they're going to have to uh, wrap up Friday and get flown out. You know, uh, uh, start flying out to 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 Pittsburgh and all like that. And so, look, even if he signs at this point, any time moving forward from from these words leaving my lips, I I really wonder if we're going to see Bosa play you know, 75, 85, 95% of the snaps. Sure. I think at this point he's going to be on a snap count if he plays. And it may truly become a question right now if he'll play, if he'll have a contract signed. I I still think they're going to get something done. Why would you not get something done and just lose a whole week like this? I mean, just have the same conversation in week two. So we'll see. But, you know, Mike Tomlin said that they had a situation with TJ Watt a couple of years ago and he still played and was typical TJ Watts. So, so sometimes those kind of freaky guys like the Watts, like the Boses of the world, they don't need much time and they can still impact the game in a, in a big, big way. Right. And he can look, I mean, even if you get him out there for 20, 25, 30 snaps in, in, in certain situations. And, uh, you know, as was stated earlier in the week, uh, you know, uh, he's, he he's probably in, he was probably he's probably been in game shape since he was like two and a half years old, <laughs> or, you know, uh, something along those lines. So look, I mean, if he's in uniform, obviously, and out there, however many snaps, he's he's still going to probably be uh, uh, Nick Bosa. I didn't call him Joey, or I have the worst problem of, of mixing <laughs> those two up. No, you're uh, good. Uh, Joey and Nick uh, there, but uh, uh, but once again, you know, it's a to me. Uh, no matter how you slice it, this is a win for the Steelers if Joey Bosa does not play. Nick Bosa, uh, oh, you just, oh, you're I just, doing I so just well. did, I, yeah, I just yeah. did it. Uh, uh, it's a big win for the Steelers if 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 Nick Bosa does not play 100 percent of the snaps on Sunday. For sure, no doubt about that. One thing we didn't mention, and Mike Tomlin talked about this as well. Pittsburgh named their captains on Monday for the 2023 season for them this year. Kenny Pickett on offense, Kim Hayward and TJ Watt defensively, and Miles Killebrew on special teams. So seeing just the one offensive captain, a bit notable there. Mike Tomlin asked about that and said 
He just think think that's a reflection of Pickett's increased leadership and everybody looking towards him and maybe just something symbolic about having just one offensive captain after last year. You had two of them in Mitch Trubisky and Najee Harris. And so uh, I, I don't know what to make of that about from a Najee standpoint, but I think Tomlin's point is everyone's just trying to make it very clear that this is Pickett's team or at least Pickett's offense. Yeah, and, and I, I don't think there's much to be read into. You know, someone uh, tweeted back to me, says, well, this is a de- definitive that the Steelers won't pick up uh, his, you know, <laughs> Najee's fifth-year option. Uh, These are voted that, by the players, by the way, for yeah, those who don't know. Yeah, and and I mean, there, to me, there's nothing there's nothing to read into this uh, at all. And, you know, some people are saying, well, you know, Ben didn't become a captain until several years into, but can you know, Kenny, Kenny is a little bit older when he was drafted too, right? Uh, uh, and obviously played a lot of time, you know, at, at all those seasons at Pitt and, and, uh, and wasn't an underclassman coming out. And if there's one, if there's one for, for sure thing that we know about Kenny Pickett at this point, uh, if we didn't, and we already kind of knew it anyway, and we've highlighted it several times, uh, he was a very mature quarterback or, or, or player in general, uh, person, kid, what, young man, whatever, coming out of college there. And nothing seems to phase this kid whatsoever. Uh, really from the, you know, kind of the, uh, you know, moment he took over last year uh, as quarterback. And then you fast forward into this offseason. I mean, how many times have we talked about this, the, 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 this offseason, uh, just all the words and the actions and everything coming out of, uh, out of Kenny's mouth. Uh, he is the leader of that offense now, unquestionably. And yes, it's only his second season, but uh, that offense is also young enough to have a guy like him uh, come in and be a team captain this early on in his career. So, I mean, not, nothing to see here, folks. Mo- move along. Uh, this is Kenny's team, and now we sit back and hope that Kenny Pickett is the offensive captain for this team for the next, I don't know, what, 16, 17 years? That's fair, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm down for that. And, and, and kudos and congrats to Cam Hayward. Nine straight years of being a defensive captain. I don't have the complete history of captains in Steelers history. Maybe that info is floating out there somewhere. I know Ben was a captain more than that. I forget 11, 13 times, but probably not too many nine-time captains in Pittsburgh Steelers history. So congrats to Kim Hayward and let's go for 10 next year. Yeah. And TJ Watt uh, back uh, being a co-captain again on the defensive side of football there. And, you know, obviously um, there's obvious reasons related to that. And then, you know, something that we said, you know, dating back through the offseason, man, a Miles Killebrew makes if 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 Miles Killebrew makes this roster, he's a special teams captain, and that obviously has come to fruition there. So no 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 surprise, especially, and that's uh, two years in a row, obviously for him uh, 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 with that classification. And Tomlin stressed that because he acknowledged kind of the big transition turnover they've had with the special teams group. A lot of those guys exiting, there's really only a couple of core remaining special teamers in Miles Killebrew and Miles Boykin. So that's a big leadership role for Killebrew this year. He's going to be the up back, the first, the protector on the punt team. That's a really important position there. So good on Killebrew for earning uh, the captain, uh, captain honors there for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Anything else from Mike Tomlin, Dave, that you wanted to? Yeah, to and and you tr- and you you kind of triggered there, triggered it there when talking about special teams. You know, uh, uh, he was asked, you know, highlighting you know the point about special teams departures that you've had. And look, they, this team has had some special teams departures, right? Some 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 mm-hmm. core core players and all. But I mean, obviously, you do have several, uh, uh, you know, or, or a few of those guys back. Uh, he, it was pointed out to him that you know there's been some really significant moments, especially in openers for this uh, team. You remember? Uh, well, I, I remember specifically two years ago against Buffalo, right? Uh, 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 didn't they have the block punter? Or, yeah, that was that was Killebrew. Yeah, yeah uh, Killebrew and all like that. Uh, but you know, he was asked specifically, you know, about that, and and in so many words, he said, "Look, it, it's more about." Uh, uh, it's more about negligence than it is top flight performance. And so, you know, although we've had some, some plays early in the season in special teams in the past, it's probably less about what we're doing and maybe what our opponents aren't doing. And so for us, particularly because we have a lot of guys in that phase that are new, our focus is on being sound and in doing things appropriate and knowing that if we do those things, if we do 
ordinary uh, routine. He pulled out <laughs> the routine things routinely. Uh, if we do ordinarily ordinary things routinely, well, then we're going to be op- opportunistic, and and in those types uh, plays have an opportunity to happen when we do so. So the focus, uh, obviously, with, with 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 these, you know, kind of a, a turnover that this team has had on special teams is that look. Uh, just do your job right and 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 do it well and maybe the other team won't do theirs on special teams and maybe you'll have some of the instances that you've had these last couple of uh uh week one games uh with your special teams units making plays there not to get too heavy in our preview for Friday because I want to talk about this more then but special teams in this game could be really interesting on Pittsburgh side you have a really good summer from Presley Harvin but you have all that turnover on your on your coverage and your blocking units, and whether that's Marcus Allen, Roberts Blaine, Benny Snell, Derek Watt, et cetera, as Mike Tomlin discussed. On the other end, the 49ers, there's no Ray Ray McLeod. He, I think, broke his hand, and he's going to miss this game. They got a kicker situation that's in flux right now with uh, their rookie, Jake Moody, and is he going to be healthy enough to play? He's dealing with an injury. So, uh, again, we forget about special teams. We focus so much on offense and defense, but in week one, close game, what happens on special teams could really mean a lot here. Yeah, here's to us hopefully not talking about mm. uh, the Steelers special teams units not doing routine things routinely because in a game like this, you know, obviously, you know, a couple of point underdogs still at this point. And, uh, but with that said, a lot, a lot of people and with good reason think this is uh, this is setting up as a, 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 you know, as a prime opportunity for the Steelers to to pull it up. Uh, if they do pull an upset, is it is it really going to be an upset? I guess at this point, but uh, yeah. uh, one one of the things that could prevent quote unquote an upset from happening is something big on special teams really really turning the tide in this, right? Absolutely, it often does. And you go back to that. You mentioned the week one game against Buffalo. Special teams puts Pittsburgh in favor, salts that game away against Buffalo. If the reverse happens in this game, then you may not come out with a victory in this one. Uh, let's. Oh uh, uh, yeah, the, the, mm-hmm. uh, how can we forget the the Bengals game and the blocked? Uh, oh uh, yeah, extra point. Know, blocked extra point there. So, uh, uh, yeah, here's to Danny Smith, your boy Danny Smith, having 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 them guys right. For sure. Uh, last couple of things on Tomlin said he felt good about Joey Porter Jr.'s development and the plays that he made in Latrobe, and then just kind of had a more general catch-all statement about being willing to rotate guys defensively, play matchups. You're going to see that at inside linebacker. The, the new depth chart came out uh, for week one. It has the big old or at inside linebacker between Cole Holcomb, Quan Alexander, uh, at Landon Roberts and Quan Alexander. That's just going to signify a three-man rotation, which we've talked about for a couple of weeks now. Probably going to see mixing and matching at safety between Keanu Neal and rundowns in their base 3-4, Monte Casey and more sub packages. Could even see the big nickel against troll personnel, especially if George Kittle plays, although his status is in question right now with an, with an abductor strain. So it's the way the league has been going for several years. But Mike Tomlin, again, recognizing you're going to see a lot of rotations in this game. You're going to be a busy man with charting, aren't you? Yeah, it's going to be a tough, tough Monday for me. All right. All right, Dave, I think we'll uh, talk about, well, where do you want to go now? Do you want to go to um, the contract situation? Just touch on briefly updates on Gunnar Olszewski and Desmond King. I think we have some finality in their contracts. Yeah, it, 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 it according to the NFL, latest NFL PA update here, uh, the numbers by, and we talked about this the other day because I couldn't get, <laughs> you want to talk about things that keep me up at night is when the numbers don't match. And for the life of me, I couldn't figure out what the heck happened. Uh, based on the reported numbers from Field Gates with the uh, with the Gunnar Olszewski uh, quote unquote restructure or whatnot, but the NFL uh, PA numbers have 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 updated and it looks like it was indeed just a uh, uh, an error on Field Gates' part. Uh, uh, this thing turned out to be a Gunnar Olszewski straight pay cut uh, down from uh, uh, two million base to uh, one point. Uh, what did I say? 1.6 million, uh, in that. So, uh, total of, I think what, $400,000, uh, saved there in cap space overall. And then the Desmond King contract ended up being exactly kind of what I thought it would be a veteran benefit contract with $152,500, uh, signing bonus. He'll have a, uh, because it is a qualified veteran benefit contract, he'll have a little bit lower, uh, cap number. 
number, basically a or, or exactly a cap number equal to that of uh, guys like who did I say, Marcus uh, Golden and Quan Alexander and and I think Watts uh, Armand Watts also received a qualifying contract there. So uh, that's the update that we have on uh, those two players. I am looking for something here that may or may not have hap- have had happened. Uh, maybe something related to Duke Dawson and some sort of injury protection filing or something that may or may not have uh, resulted in like a $545,000 cap hit or something like that. I don't know. I'm waiting for the... uh, to see what happens once the NFLPA turns over from the rule of 51 on their sheets to the, uh, uh, to the new rule of 50, you know, obviously the, the in season 53 there. So that's something that I'm watching there. So there might be 500, a little over 500,000 in cap space that, that they don't have, but I don't know for sure right now. It's something that I'm monitoring right now. Okay. And then with Desmond King, just one year, Veteran, we yeah, yeah, veteran benefit contract there with him. All right, Dave, switching gears here. It was Tuesday yesterday, which is the common workout visit day across the NFL, including the Pittsburgh Steelers, who did not practice yesterday. The Pittsburgh Steelers working out four players, four defenders, most of them linebackers in. Linebacker Mitchell Agude, I will say it that way, outside linebacker Kelly Sanders. Inside linebacker uh, Michael Walker and cornerback Kalen Barnes. None of them signed. Pittsburgh probably just updating their role decks and names. Walker, I think, has had the most experience in the NFL. Barnes was a super speedy corner out of Baylor. If anybody gets signed, we'll let you know. All right. Uh, Going to be reporting quite a few of those throughout the offseason. For sure. I mean, for for, sure. Throughout the season. Mm-hmm. One player who did get signed, not by Pittsburgh, but by the AFC North rival Cincinnati Bengals, former Steelers tight end Zach Gentry signing to the Bengals practice squad yesterday. So he finds a home out there in Cincinnati as their uh, practice squad tight end who, who knows, may get elevated at some point this year and face his former team. Yeah, I know a lot of people weren't weren't happy to see that, but uh, it is what it is. The guy, people calling him a traitor and all like that, but I mean, the guy's got to work, right? Yeah. You know? Uh, it, 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 you know, if the Steelers wanted him bad enough, they, they should have signed him to the practice squad. So, uh, kudos to him. And now at least, you know, as long as he stays there, Pat Farmuth will be able to visit with him a couple of times, <laughs> uh, during the season. Yeah, no, I don't know why anyone would be mad about Gentry getting a job. You know, he didn't decide himself to be cut by the Steelers and not get signed back to the practice squad. So uh, I have no ill will there to Zach Gentry and, Wish him well, Dave. Uh, my you know usual tradition of kind of getting the season ready. Go through a prediction post. We're going to save our record prediction still for Friday, but I did post today my uh, Pittsburgh Steelers stat prediction post. Just a fun little exercise I like to do each year, just to compare and contrast. Don't expect to really get things anything you know perfectly right. If I'm in the ballpark, I'll be happy overall. We'll kind of run through things just briefly, and I want to get your thoughts on it as well. For the quarterbacks, they have Kenny Pickett making 16 starts, throwing for 3,667 yards, 23 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, a completion percentage just over 65%. I believe his yards per attempt is going to be at 6.445, so right around there. You can do all the advanced math that you would like, Dave, but that's my overall projection for Kenny Pickett in year two. I'm disappointed that you didn't provide me the sack numbers and the sack yardage <laughs> numbers so I could figure uh, out his uh, uh, adjusted net yards uh, per passing attempt number there. Okay, I guess it's going to be 6.1, 6.2, I'm going to guess, something like that, if I just had to, to guesstimate the uh, the math on that. I would have to pull it up in the sheet there, but I mean, it depends on, obviously, your 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 sack and get, uh, throw out some, throw out real quick, uh, uh, some sack and sack yardage pr- predictions for me. Oh, that's that's on the fly here. I don't know what the yardage would be. Sacks, I don't know, 30, I don't know, 28. And then the yardage, what was the sack yardage last year? I don't need 82. approximates. I don't deal, I don't deal, <laughs> I, I don't deal right. on hypotheticals here. We'll say 20, we'll say 30 and 200. 30 sacks, 200 yards lost. Uh, 30 sacks, 
200 mm-hmm. yards. Uh, let me uh, uh, filibuster for me here. And then I do have Mitch Trubisky, and I have noted here one start, 37 completion, 62 attempts, 414 yards, a touchdown, a pick. He's not going to do that in one start. There was some, I think, confusion about that. He will start one game, but he can play in others, mop-up duty, pick it gets hurt. That happened multiple times last year. So that is the seasonal number that includes one start. Also going to stick my neck out and predict Connor Hayward to throw a touchdown pass. They showed that off in training camp. Have a little fun there with that. So just want to clarify what the Trubisky numbers mean, because I think people thought I was assuming it was going to come in one start, which it certainly will not. All right. According to according to Alex Kazora's stat prediction, 5.89 uh, adjusted net yards for passing attempt number. Not ideal, obviously. Yeah. Now, if you cut, uh, cut that down to, let's say, 20 and... I don't know, 150 uh, yards, 20 sacks, 150 sack yards at 6.07. So, yeah, you've got him coming. Uh, you, that's 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 obviously uh, under under six there. That's uh, I, I definitely hope it's 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 higher than six, and I hope it's pushing kind of that 6.5 range. So. Interesting there, uh, but you do have them going over the touchdown pass total numbers that Vegas has set, and I believe you have them going over the passing uh, yardage uh, that they have set as well, too. So, yeah, I was going to ask, what is the over under on the yardage? Isn't it like thirty three hundred or something from Vegas? What I is his was, yardage? I, didn't we cover that? The other, I think it was something yeah, like uh, thirty three hundred point five or something like that. Right, which initially is kind of what I was leaning towards. I mean. I, that that feels it, he's going to be hard to get that adjusted net yards per passing attempt if that's his yardage if that's going to be if he's going to float in that thirty three to thirty four hundred yard I mean if he's going to get sacked I think thirty times over a full season two hundred yards is reasonable unless he's just not throwing the ball a ton I think it might be hard to to hit that number at least based on what Vegas is projecting yeah here's to you uh, here's to you being wrong <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think overall it's it's almost a Trevor Lawrence jump the yardage is not quite there and it could you know if you want to add another 100 200 yards i mean i think that's fine but 23 touchdowns nine picks that, that's basically what trevor lawrence did in year two not quite as good lawrence there's 25 touchdowns eight picks but in that ballpark i mean he's the key cog to this thing to whether or not they win nine to 12 wins right yeah i mean of course the quarterback right. will dictate in the majority of of the course of your season do you think look i mean since 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 preseason got underway uh, I mean, the the national media is just all over the Steelers now, right? I mean, sure, there mm-hmm. were some people ahead of time and, and, and all like that. But, I mean, since the preseason's gotten underway, I mean, it's hard to find people now. I mean, the NFL Network people, all, all four of those people on Good Morning Football have the Steelers making the playoffs as a wild card. I mean, it, it, it really is hard at this point to find national media people that, that, that don't think that the Steelers will make the playoffs, right? And and mm-hmm. and it's a lot different than. I mean, it it wasn't as vocal as that, at least. And look, I'm on the internet all damn day. You know, I, I don't I don't remember a surge like this in in, in, in quite some time, uh, especially when it comes to this year specifically. Here, uh, everybody and their brother seems to think that this team's going to get into playoffs and don't sleep on the Steelers and 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 all that kind of stuff. Yeah, my table take today is on the idea, and I think Matthew Marksy wrote it well yesterday, if everyone thinks Pittsburgh's a sleeper, can they really be a sleeper anymore? And they probably can't be at this point because I think the expectations have been raised based off of how the team looked in the preseason. So it's, it's a good problem to have, to look good and have those kind of expectations, but I think Steeler fans do prefer it when Pittsburgh's the underdog with the big old chip on their shoulder. Okay. All right, for running backs, I have Najee Harris with 275 carries for 1,192 yards, an average of 4.3 yards per carry, and eight rushing touchdowns. Jalen Warren, 103 carries, 467 yards, 4.5 yards per carry, and four touchdowns. Calvin Austin, 14 carries, a buck 21, 8.6 yards per carry, busts off a big run on a jet sweep, and one rushing touchdown, three rushing scores for Kenny Pickett. So projecting a much more efficient offense and Najee Harris, you have a pretty strong season. All right. Do you think Warren's numbers were maybe too conservative? I was trying to find a happy medium without trying to have this team rush 600 times this season. 
Uh, let's see here. 103-467, four touchdowns. Uh, I mean, that. I, I think that's reasonable. Okay, and obviously this assumes generally good health, and obviously that's probably, I mean, Najee's not missed a game, but, you know, somebody gets hurt, numbers can skew pretty quickly, and that is kind of the tough part of the stat predictions, which you guys will see in the reception, probably where I've gotten the most heat from, and I understand that. I try to point out there with my some, some of my numbers here that, I think some of the receptions get a little bit more conservative because you don't know who's going to get hurt. And if some guys get hurt then the targets become more concentrated to other players and that may boost their numbers. So I do think these numbers could be higher than that. But if you actually walk it out and do the math and all my, you know, completions and receptions and yardage from the quarterback and receivers and touchdowns, they all align 100 percent. So I'm not just making up numbers that don't actually match. When you do that, you actually have to play that game a little bit more. But Deontay Johnson, I'm projecting 81 catches, 886 yards, 10.9 yards per catch, and four touchdowns after being shut out last year. George Pickens, 64 receptions, 889 yards, three more than Deontay, 13.9 yards per catch, and seven touchdowns. Pat Frymuth, 59 receptions, 614, three touchdowns. Calvin Austin, 29 catches, 401 yards two touchdowns. You guys can check out the entire list on the site. So I know that's a little bit on the conservative lighter side, but uh, that's just kind of the way you have to do with these projections. And I do think somebody like Deontay and especially Pickens could have bigger numbers than this. Look, one of the things, and I said this the other day on the podcast, right? That I thought uh, Deontay and and Pickens would be within what, like 50 yards uh, uh, receiving yards of each other, either way there. Uh, I do wonder if this team, uh, and I, I think I've stated as much all off season of this, if this team will actually have a 1,000 yard uh, receiver in in in, in 2023. Uh, I do, I do think that Johnson might edge out out pickings uh in 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 the in the overall catch department if both guys stay healthy there uh i mean like like you said you had to have the, you had to make the math work so unless kenny unless kenny passes you know ha- has a basically a stronger mm-hmm. uh adjusted net yards for passing attempt number that you have uh to me for this team to have a thousand yard receiver, he would indeed need to have an adjusted net yards for passing attempt number around 6.5 or greater, right? Or just throw for maybe 4,000 yards. I mean, again, if injuries take place, you know, God forbid somebody gets hurt. One of the top two receivers go down. The other guy becomes kind of the guy. Then his numbers, of course, are going to go up. And that probably will happen in some respect. You don't hope for a long-term injury, but somebody misses two, three weeks. So again, if you assume reasonably good health across the board, the numbers kind of, they all kind of come out in the wash. So I just want to point that I, I do think Pickens will have probably a bit bigger numbers, especially on the receptions and Deontay probably, you know, closer to 950 getting close to a thousand yards, but just kind of when you do the exercise, unless you're, you know, kind of really getting them with some funky math, then you kind of have to play it that way. So Pat Farmu just misses the 60, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> 60 reception, um, uh, Mark again. Look, uh, uh, I'd be happy if he put up those numbers that you have listed. There may be one more touchdown or so, and maybe another four or five catches, uh, maybe another, I don't know, 86 yards or something along those lines. But I, I have a feeling that assuming he stays healthy, you're going to be in the ballpark there. And that should be enough to get him a new deal. Uh, nice, nice new deal next off season. He's been really consistent numbers. I think kind of reflect that this year. And again, with some of the numbers for Deontay and Pickens, you know, when you factor in this team's going to be run heavy, when you factor in, it's just a really good group of skill guys, Dave. It's been the best skill group this team has had, like I've said before, since probably 2018. Um, and when you look at the increased slot production, you got nothing from your slot guys last year, your primary receivers this year, Robinson, Austin, they're going to hopefully catch the ball a lot more. It is going to take away some of those targets and opportunities from your guys in the outside in Johnson and Pickens. So you can kind of combine all those things. That's why those numbers look a little bit lighter, but I still think impressive numbers. And of course, you see a big increase in touchdowns. Deontay going from zero to four, Pickens going from four to seven. They're putting points on the board, and that ultimately is all that matters. All right, definitely a a, a tough exercise, especially like you said. I mean, you want to have the credibility that 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 the numbers match the quarterback and all like that. Right, right. Quick run through defensively at TJ Watt with 20 sacks. Alex Highsmith with 11. A bit of regression there as TJ Watt is going to take away some of those. Uh, obviously, Kim Hayward, eight and a half. I'll be a little conservative there. Wait a minute. Well. Did, didn't you say the other day that you thought think he would have the uh, 
what was the stat related to him and the double di- and the- I took the under on that. I was going to be the Debbie Downer. You guys went over. Oh, okay. I think, right? Okay. Yeah. Right. No, I took the under. So I'm staying with that here with eight and a half on him. Um, but he's probably more than happy to to prove me wrong. And I look forward to him doing that. And there's a bunch of other ones there. Rogan Joby, three and a half. Herbig and Golden, three apiece. Benton, two and a half. At that point, we're kind of getting into some pretty granular numbers. All right. How many total sacks do you have him as having? 58. So are they going to get back to 50 plus? I think at least 58 may be on the high end of things, but that's, that's, that's still a reasonable expectation for how many quality pass rushers this team has, I think. Okay. And then interceptions, Minka with five, TJ Watt and Patrick Peterson with three each. <laughs> Casey, I, I think TJ Watt and those, those swats, he's going to make some plays. Casey and Wallace with two each. Porter, Jr., Holcomb, and Desmond King with one for 18 total. I have Minka and Peterson with pick sixes. Okay. And uh, my kind of rough math here is that Pittsburgh's going to average about 21 points per game, a three-point bump from a year ago, which hopefully is a little bit more than that, but that, that's probably still a reasonable number to expect. I wonder when the last time a team has made, what did they, what did they average last year? 18.1. 18. 18. Right. They, it was, the first half of the year was even worse than that. All right, so let's say they made a three-point uh, jump. In, in 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 points per game. Wonder when the last time that has happened in the NFL. I mean, I'm sure it's very fairly common, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I wonder I if that team. I wonder if that team made the playoffs. Yeah, the teams that scored about 21 points per game last year: Baltimore, Cleveland, the Patriots, the Giants, the Falcons. Green Bay getting closer to 22 at 21.8. So kind of a grab bag. You know, you know Giants making the playoffs. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, not not again. You probably want it closer to that twenty-two and a half range, um, but twenty-one would obviously be an increase. Okay, all right, all right. So those are my predictions. There, you can read the whole post on Steelers Depot and yell at me in the comments about it, and I will uh, I will take it. So, uh, any other final thoughts there, Dave? Yeah, just disappointed that you have Kenny's adjusting. <laughs> I was thinking about it. I should have uh, it higher. You know what? I think I've become more bullish on him than you have. I'm excited about Kenny, but fair. Maybe you're higher on him than I am. I, I, okay. Again, the numbers, I mean, I, you know, the, the, I think Kenny's going to have a good year. I think the numbers reflect improvement across the board. Maybe maybe the yards should be. I mean, do you think he's going to hit 4,000 yards this year? I don't know. I haven't sat down and, and done the math like you have. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it 4,000 just felt a little rich. And if he does, it almost would scare me because does that mean the run game's not working? Does it mean they're playing from behind? You know, hopefully this team is playing ahead and sitting on leads and they're grinding it out, forming an offense. I mean, that's ideally what this offense, what any offense wants to do, and that will bring down the passing numbers a little bit. Okay. All right, Dave, I think we kind of covered all the things we wanted to cover. We can get to a couple of reader emails and close out today's show. All right. Let me go to the email machine here. Yeah, I find and myself kind of being a little bit too – I don't know if I'm going to be end up being too jaded from uh, the preseason and all like that. But, uh, you know, look, we – uh, first, first five, six games of this season, we're gonna we're gonna learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do you think a, Kenny a will throw more than twenty three touchdowns? Do you think I'm, I'm a little too? Conservative you know, uh, there? several several weeks ago, I kind of wondered just you know if he if he popped that number, if it'd be like twenty or something like that. You know, the right. eighteen and a half number. I mm-hmm. think we had that talk on that. I don't know. If I'm, I find myself just getting, like I said, I. I normally try to suppress this kind of stuff, you know, during, <laughs> during, during the preseason, but man, it's, it's, and it was preseason vanilla and all like that. Now I'm, I'm, I'm starting to think, you know, he might, he might be able to crack easily crack that 18 and a half number, you know, somewhere around 25, I think, you know? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he'll easily crack 18. I think if he, if he only hits 18, that's probably a problem. I think 23 is a, you know, obviously well above that, but, yeah, 25. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I, look, I do think this team will run the ball better around the goal line, though. Right, right. Uh, and look, <laughs> this 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 week one game against the 49ers, if they win, if they win this game, it's going to be, man, everybody's still underrated the Steelers, even though they were they were on the band. You know, did did you know, did we give this team enough credit, even though and I'm talking, uh, we, uh, you know, as in, you know, across the board nationally, did this team get, get enough, uh, 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 credit across the board, uh, leading up to week one, uh, you know, were they, were they, were they overrated enough? 
uh, kind of thing. But obviously, if they lose this game, and especially if guys like Bosa and you know so, some of the uh, uh, guys that are kind of questionable for this game, if they lose this game, it's going to be did <laughs> were the Steelers overrated <laughs> rated, mm-hmm. uh, uh, going into this game? But uh, anyway, uh, all right, let's start with uh, Mark Ricard. Starts in uh, on a, a B Flores question. Hey, Dave and Alex, what a tremendous offseason the whole Steelers Depot staff has put in, right up there with Omar's offseason. Oh, oh, don't don't be comparing us to Omar. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, question: Do you think? the game preparation for for from a defensive standpoint will suffer due to losing Brian Flores. He says he has Steelers 20, 49ers 16. Thanks for everything you do and such quality content on a regular basis. Ha, basically, you know, the the game preparation from a defensive standpoint, how will that suffer due to do this team losing Brian Flores? It's a fair question. It's obviously really impossible for us to answer until we especially obviously start seeing things Sunday, and you don't know exactly what influence and impact Flores had last year. I did get the sense that Pittsburgh was a little bit more inventive week-to-week with the game plan. They had a bunch of different formations and personnel groupings and little wrinkles last year that I thought were really effective. The good news is, you know, he was around there, and Pittsburgh was exposed to that, and so they can just kind of carry that over and think about that going forward, but yeah, when you lose Flores, like you know, a guy like him, and you have all the defensive turnover, and the defense in some ways got better, but you're going to have some changes and some potential early growing pains. All that is to say, it's really hard for us to say, but it, it's probably a fair thought to have. I think the biggest question is something that Mike Tomlin has pointed to, and especially week one at home here. Uh, all these new pieces on on a defensive side of the football, uh, the, 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 the communication aspect, how much will that? I'm not so worried about the game preparation acts aspect of it here, uh, minus Flores, as I am just focusing in on some of the things that Mike Tomlin has highlighted. You know, you 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 can't have a blown coverage that leads to a touchdown or, 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 or something like this, you know, hopefully any explosive plays that happen in this game, at least, you know, the, uh, to start the season here. I mean, you would expect communication to get better as the season goes along for obvious reasons there, but early on in the season, uh, what will that look like if there are those miscommunications and will it lead to <clears throat> this team not having short grass to defend? Yeah, I mean, that's something I've talked about quite a bit when you have that kind of turnover. Again, they're veteran guys. There shouldn't be the learning curve that there was last season, but you just never, you know, quite sure how it's going to look initially. And it's a tough 49ers team that's schematically strong out of the gate, and that may pose some some challenges there. So I think it's something to to think about, to have a concern about, not necessarily throughout the entire season, but I could kind of anticipate some coverage busts and some this team kind of working through. Again, it's it's new pieces in general, but new pieces in those hubs of communication at Slock Warner, inside linebacker, strong safety, and and that may present a challenge. All right. Uh, Daniel writes in from Chicago. Quick question about the 53-man limit. When, when a team is at the 53-man limit and they sign a player off waivers, uh, how quickly do they need to cut someone to make space for that new signing? Is it same day by the end of the week? Thanks again for all you do. You're the best in the business. Yeah, it's got to be a corresponding move uh, in the same business day, Dan. Uh, you know, if you're claiming a guy, you can only have 53 active uh, players on your roster a- at a time. So you know, and you know, same goes for like if you uh, now. Obviously, that changes on the weekend where when you can elevate players and essentially uh, elevate as many as 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 uh uh two two players and go to 55 for the game day but you know even if you're talking about uh guys from uh activating off injured reserve to the 53 man active 53 man roster you have to have a, a corresponding move uh that same day so it's got to be in the same business day yeah, and you can't get one over on the NFL. You have to be able to make those moves for them to actually allow those moves to uh, officially you know, transpire, whether it's that, whether it's contract language, all those things have to be what officially approved by the NFL. Right, and you know, a lot of people were wondering, what, you know, kind of playing off of this, uh, uh, why, the, why, why after the final cutdowns were the Raiders still uh, technically – uh, over the cap there. Well, all of that still works off of the rule of 51. And I think it's four o'clock today, I think is actually when, when the complete, uh, rule of 51 goes away. And, uh, you know, up until this point, uh, practice squad, 
uh, injured reserve uh, guys, anybody that falls out of the top 51 does not count against the cap. So that's why a lot of people were questioning, well, how, how, how are the Raiders you know, technically uh, uh, over the cap here when, you know, they had to cut their, their active roster down to 53. It's because the rule of 51 is still in, 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 in effect until I think four o'clock today. So thus the 4 million on, on, on the practice squad, any players on injured uh, reserve that don't fall into the uh, uh, rule of 51. Uh, those guys don't count until today, but the your Raiders obviously yesterday restructured the contract of Jimmy Garoppolo last minute to clear. I forget what the number was. Did you see it? Something like 12, 14, 17. There's uh, a lot of space. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, that and in turn, see, I follow along with the NFL PA sheet. You know, uh, a lot of times to try to keep up with 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 moves and and what hits the cap and all right now. It's even though the uh, they're still working off the rule of 51 right now. And technically, the NFL will go to the 53 man uh, rule uh, later today with with today officially kind of being the start of week one. Uh, they they won't they won't pull the trigger on that NFL PA sheet number probably for a week and a half or two weeks you know, uh, on that. So even though the NFL is working off the, 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 you know, the 51, the rule of 51 going away, you still don't see some of those things like the practice squad numbers hitting or, or, or the injured reserve, uh, numbers hitting. Uh, look, I'm talking about Dave's first world problems here, mm-hmm. but, uh, uh, that's what makes it so hard to, uh, at really any point during the off season, uh, to, 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 to track, uh, the you know, the team's salary cap situation in real time, which I I, I come pretty damn close to it. I like to think that you know I I do it as good as anybody there. But some things you're you're at the mercy of waiting you know until the NFLPA updates and those contracts hitting that, then getting the info either off of that or from like you know former agent Joel Corey or something along those lines. But uh, that that you know, hopefully that sheds a, a little light to some people there. Yeah, it's an art for sure. But you, like you said, you do it as well as anybody that I know. And just a, a quick footnote here: a TJ Watt restructure. If that does happen, that's going to happen very, very soon. Correct? Oh yeah, we we I, if it doesn't break today, I mean, we we should know within the next twenty four hours or so. I would think. Yeah. Right. And if it doesn't happen, then what is that exact? What would that mean if they don't restructure Watt at all? It means good on them. Uh, okay. I I have them right now at six point. With practice squad and everything, now look, I'm still waiting to, to double check some of these uh, uh, veteran practice squad salaries to make sure the Steelers did indeed give them the max amount that they could. If they didn't, this will this will differ my numbers. And I also previously mentioned I don't know what's going on with maybe a half a million uh, dollar injury uh, uh, benefit filing or whatnot there uh, with, uh, with Duke Dawson. But uh, based on my numbers right now, this team has 6.883. Three seven zero, so nearly seven million dollars in salary cap space. So once again, this all comes down to how much does Omar Khan want to go into the uh, go into the regular season with when it comes to salary cap space here? Uh, if he deems this nearly seven million dollars uh, is enough for any in season elevations or uh, uh, in season signings or whatnot. Then, then they'll obviously leave uh, T.J. Watt's contract alone. Uh, but if he wants that number to be more closer, I mean, we're we're splitting hairs, right? I, I worked with a number, uh, an assumption that they would want nine million going into the season, and they're at almost six point nine now. So I missed it by. I mean, can you forgive me for two point one million? Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, off a, a, as a projection there. Uh, and look, even if they restructure Watt at this point in this next 24, 48 hours, it's going to be a minimal. I mean, I can't see them needing more than nine or ten million dollars for in-season work here. So if you did restructure any, not necessarily T.J. Watt, but you know Cam Hayward, any of these guys, uh, if you did that, uh, it, it, you're not going to be freeing up that much money. All right, and we'll keep an eye on it though, and I guess by Friday be able to maybe have a bit of finality on. Watts contract situation. Yeah, absolutely. We we should know by then for sure. Okay. 
All right. Uh, anything let, else, Dave? Let me see if I got uh, one, one or two more here. Chris Lookart says, "Good afternoon to you, fellas. Do you think there's a chance that because the Steelers starters face little, literally no adversity, if they don't score, throw a pick, or come out flat in the first half this Sunday, it could be some kind of a uh, effect on them. Maybe it gets in their head because they had too perfect of a preseason. He says, one thing I thought to myself, of course, first world problems, they faced no real negativity, ne negative adversity, just something to look. I, Mike Tomlin got this team to nine, nine, nine and eight uh, last year. I, if, if they come out flat or if an injury happens or, or what have you, know, what have you here? Uh, I, I, I don't think there's going to be, any you know big impact here win lose or draw uh, 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 against the 49ers not internally obviously externally the sky will be falling and we'll have to, to talk about that it'll it'll create a really important week two matchup against Cleveland on Monday night I'll tell you that much um so it, it's hard to say let's just see what happens in this game and the reason for whatever the outcome is I mean I, I do agree that at some point, this team's going to have some problems. It's not going to be this perfect, not going to feel this good all season long. They're going to lose a game that they should have you know, won or have an injury, have some adversity. And, and you're right, they've not really faced a lot of adversity this summer, not had a lot of negativity to kind of wallow in and deal with and work through and, and get past. So that's going to happen this year to every team in the, in the NFL, including the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that's a fair point there, but I'm just going to take this Sunday as it is and go from there. Uh, he, uh, this from Luke Weaver here to wrap things up. I was reminded of something Alex said a few years back regarding Chiquamo Corfor's mediocre level of play. He's the best player on a bad offensive line and the worst player on a good offensive line. He has in quotations back in 2021, Chooks was our best player next to a struggling, uh, rookie Dan was our best player next to a struggling rookie, Dan Moore and inconsistent Kevin Dotson, uh, an abysmal uh, Kendrick Green and below the line, Trey Turner. Our line was bad, he writes. Uh, my question is, have we turned the corner? He says, assuming Chooks, Chooks, Chooks hasn't progressed much since then, is he now the worst starter on our offensive line? And does that mean our line is in fact good, at least on <laughs> paper? Or would you still put him above Moore or Mason Cole? Thank you for making great content to fill in a good chunk of my 10 plus hours a week of driving. Keep it up. All right. How, how would you answer Luke there? Yeah, it's funny to think about that because we've kind of come full circle with this offensive line, all the improvements. I think certainly the guards are better than a core four, who's not a bad player. You know, it just kind of is who he is. And and say Malu and Daniels, I think, are better. Um, Cole is kind of like a core four, just a, a solid, dependable, there type of player um, for this offensive line. And Dan Moore, we'll, we'll see what the progression looks like. I think he's making those strides, but I think it might be too hard, maybe a little early to say that Moore is better than a core four until we see him actually play inside stadiums in year number three. Right. Uh, uh, Okorafor is one of those uh, three players that I wrote about uh, the other day, uh, you know, heading into the, in, 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 into the 2023 season that have, you know, look, I mean, you're going to be watching a lot of players here during the season, right? Uh, but uh, these three in particular, talking about Chiquama Okorafor, uh, Patrick Peterson, and... Oh, drawing a blank. Uh, oh, uh, Larry Ogan, Joby, uh, mm -hmm. all have March uh, roster bonuses uh, next year. So, you know, uh, and and quite quite significant ones at that. So, you know, Chiqu uh, you talk about a guy like Chiquama Corfor specifically here. Uh, now in in what uh, his second uh, year of the third year deal. This this is a big year for him, uh, and we're 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 going to find out as this season goes along, whether or not he's going to make it past uh, middle of March in 2024, because it should be a, a fairly cut dry decision, right? Uh, uh, because either you're going to pay him that, was it $4 million roster bonus or you're not in, in March. Mm -hmm. So uh, to Cormac Corfor, when it comes to guys on those offensive lines is, is really a guy that's going to be under the microscope in, 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 in 2023. Should be some interesting conversations this offseason. Do you keep a core four? Do you pick up the option? Do you find a brand new right tackle? Do you shift Dan Moore over to right tackle? How does, you know, Broderick Jones, if he plays this year, I assume that he will to some degree, you know, how does he look? I, I think the tackle discussion will be something we talk about quite a bit come January, February, March. Uh, I agree. Uh, I think I have one more. I skipped here from Ted Webb on some uh, over unders real quick. Uh, uh, 
for me. Friends got together. Maybe uh, okay. We've already cut. We'll we'll cover more of your over under questions. I think on the Friday podcast, uh, Ted, because we're running a little bit long here. Uh, he's got over under numbers on pickins and Najee and stuff. Some of those numbers we covered in that roundtable podcast the other day with the guys and all like that. So we'll try to hit some of these. Uh, but I mean, look, uh, Alex already threw uh, his predictions out there. So go go look at those and match those up. And you know, maybe we'll we'll hit on this a little bit more on the Friday show. And uh, we'll have our record predictions, right? right Which absolutely. I'm very eager to see where you come in at. All right. Uh, I think we have everything here out of the email machine. So until you got anything else to add? Nope. We'll be back on Friday. All right. Uh, you, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Cazorra. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button up right navigational bar. Also, if you like an ad free version of the site, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the ad free button up right navigational bar. Until Friday, as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.